Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to have Rich Simmons on the show, CEO of Autoson, a spin-out from the University of Oxford, which is developing a novel ultrasound-based treatment for lower back and neck pain, which is significantly safer, less invasive, and more cost-effective than current surgical options. Rich, welcome to the show. Would you like to share a bit of background about yourself and Autosong? Yeah, thanks, Charles. Uh, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for your time. Great to be on the show. Yes, yeah, so I, I joined Autosong in 2018, actually as employee number one, and uh, given keys to the building effectively and a little bit of funding and said, hey, look, we've got this great patent portfolio. Go see what we can do with it. And I've been having a lot of fun building the vision, building the team since then. It was in real contrast to what I was doing before. I was in a big corporate organization uh, called Terumo, a Japanese global company. I was employee number 45,000 and something. And to go to employee number one was really, well, first of all, refreshing, a little bit scary, but also very refreshing just to be able to get things done so quickly and build vision with some really amazing people. Just a little bit about, about Orthoson. Yeah. You gave a little bit of introduction. You were, you were pretty close to the mark. We are a spin out from the University of Oxford and we're focused specifically on low back pain and in the future, neck pain, as you mentioned. And we have a technology which is minimally invasive and motion restoring. So low back pain is the largest cause of disability globally. And days lost to disability for low back pain is larger than any other thing in the developing and developed world. But the solutions are very limited. So if you're not lucky enough to benefit from physiotherapy, then the surgical options are almost none. They're very certainly very extreme. What we can do is we can take a degenerated intervertebral disc. We can restore the mechanics of that with a very simple procedure that will take around about an hour or an hour and a half with the patient up and around, moving around the same day. The only intrusion will be a needle into the intervertebral disc. Uh, so the patient will be spared much of the trauma that comes from a fusion or a total disc replacement or one of the other very invasive procedures for this condition. That really sounds like an amazing solution and for a disability which everyone knows of but maybe don't quite realise how big it is. So going from employee number one to building the company now to a couple of dozen employees now, I, I imagine... Actually, there's 15 of us now. There'll be 20 within the next few months. We've got a pretty active recruitment program. Great. So one to 20 and, and several years. What's been your favorite moment so far? It's a really good question. My favorite moment, I think, was when we completed the seed funding round in October 2019, because it was the first real external validation that people really understood how big the problem was and how great our solution was. The part that gives me the most pride is the quality of the team that we now have. Almost all of the team have a PhD. They are so diverse, ethnically, linguistically, and in terms of their skills as software engineers. We have clinical people. We have acoustic physicists. We have electronic engineers, biologists and chemists it's, and it's such a great team so I think watching them watch them really hit their milestones watching them work together so effectively is certainly the the thing that gives me the most pride as I sit maybe and have a glass of something on New Year's Eve this this year that would be the thing that I look back on over the last 12 months for sure I can definitely relate to the enjoyment from building a team and, and seeing them grow going from employee 45 
thousand to employee number one, and then now building a team. What do you wish you'd known before doing all of that? Yeah, that's an interesting question too. The challenge that you don't appreciate when you're in a corporate is the level of risk that the large venture capital funds are prepared to take in early medtech or biotech is pretty limited. When you're a pre-clinical stage company like Orthoson, convincing the larger professional VC to take a chance on you is a challenge. They tend to restrict themselves specifically to, to clinical stage or to growth stage opportunities. And so I'm very grateful to the group of investors that we have, that they really see what we are capable of and where we can take this technology. And so now we've been through our seed and our series A round on a, on a much stronger footing. I think it'll mean that those VC missed out um, last time around. And I wish I'd been able to spare a few uh, telephone calls to a few of those guys, knowing that there was a better group to focus on, those with a bit more vision and a bit more entrepreneurial spirit. Hopefully, as Autoson goes through its milestones, the more institutional VCs might, might still want to join the ride. With our Series A, we're bringing a couple on board and they should have come on two years ago and got a better deal, but that's up to them. Better late than never. Autoson is preclinical. What's the plan for the next couple of years or the, or the big vision? Yep. So we have a very broad patent portfolio. We're very lucky. Both things we've licensed from the university and that I've gone out and licensed from third parties. So we have a portfolio now that can treat multiple conditions within the area of spine and low back pain. And so our, our vision now is to build up these platform technologies so that we have a very clear first target. And then we have a plan to approach these other secondary indications as we progress. So as we get into uh, the end of 2023, we'll be targeting the treatment of our first humans in a clinical trial. And as we get a couple of years beyond that, we'll be large-scale randomized controlled trials. We will be looking to have very close relationships with the FDA and getting close to our CE mark and really looking to disrupt a market that's very much in need of a new treatment option for this patient group. Whenever I, I meet someone with lower back pain and, and I tell them about Autoson, they always ask, how do I sign up? Hopefully you can come to market much sooner, right? as legally possible. Absolutely. And the regulator defines the timeline. It's the FDA or the CE mark that defines our timeline. And right now, fusion dominates in this area and fusing a joint, which is effectively what we're doing in the lower back, is not something anybody would tolerate in their hip or their knee or their shoulder these days. But yet we do tolerate it in the spine and we are on the cusp of something very big, very new, very novel and disruptive, which is a minimally invasive motion treatment. Very exciting. So as a... Startup CEO, I imagine you interact with many contracts and I imagine the medical angle also brings its own set of nuances to contracting. Would you be able to share what are the key contracts you interact with most frequently and, and how the medical aspect influences how you interact with contracts? Yes. So the key contracts we deal with on a routine basis or a regular basis are NDAs and also license agreements to bring IP into the organization to get access to it. As far as NDAs are concerned, they could be pretty diverse. So it could be with collaborators, but it's often with individual surgeons or surgeons working out of an institution. They either have inventions or they have advice and guidance that they can offer us on how to go to market more quickly. So the NDA can become quite a diverse tool Sometimes we're working with a very large organization. Sometimes we're looking, working with a university where we really have to try to use their 
template for the NDA if we want to get it through in anything like a timely manner. And other times we're working with individual surgeons or small organisations, in which case it's much easier for us to supply our own template. So as an organisation that's trying to limit its legal costs, but also trying to shore up its IP as, as effectively as possible, it's quite important to pay attention to the detail on those things. Definitely. And I, I think friction in the legal process is, is something that legislate we've been focused on since day one. And, and, and I think one thing that we don't appreciate is a, a lot of the friction starts from having a template, which is one sided. And if you start from the middle, right from the beginning, then, then there isn't much to negotiate. So I think, yeah, having the right templates where you can start from the middle, especially with um, the smaller organizations and maybe those individual surgeons can definitely help get them across the line faster. But for the bigger organizations, I think we're still working on a solution which can help there. I couldn't agree more with the one-sided part of what you say, because one of the defining characteristics of med tech is that things are long-term. So typically when you're signing an NDA, it's because you're starting what will become a relatively long-term collaboration. And like any long-term relationship, it has to be built on a level of trust too. If the template comes through very one-sided and you're going to be starting to negotiate the finer points of an end, it's not a great place to start a relationship. That's usually a good sign that it's not actually going to be a relationship that, that survives yeah. the long journey to, to market. Absolutely. So I imagine if, if it's very one-sided, that might cause some issues. Are, are there any other um, issues that or patterns that you've noticed in these years of looking at them? And are there any particularities to a med tech NDA that might differ from an NDA in another industry? I don't know that there's too much in NDAs specifically that's specific to the med tech industry. One of the disciplines that has been drummed into me is that people tend to have an NDA and because we have an NDA, we put it in place two years ago. It's now okay for me to disclose everything to give the, the collaborator the view under the kimono and feel safe that, that because you had that NDA two years ago, everything will be fine. And so one of the disciplines that I have brought to Orthoson is that we need to put in place an NDA for a specific activity and mark the information that we think is confidential clearly as confidential. Um, and because relationships do tend to be quite long and they tend to evolve, it's important for us to update that NDA for new applications if we need to. We could be collaborating with surgeons over a period of four or five years. And because you put an NDA in four years ago does not mean that it's now protecting you, telling them everything. And I think the other piece is always to have a two-way NDA, even if it seems initially as if you're just wanting to share. Having a two-way NDA usually protects uh, both parties and sets that trust relationship off on the right footing. Absolutely. I think one way is best if you are really the only one disclosing, but in most cases, two-way can help ease any form of worries someone might have. I'm conscious that we've taken a lot of your time, Rich, so I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you were being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? So I want to go back to the point we made earlier on, Charles. The first thing that impresses me is this contract part of the start of a long relationship and therefore the other person has taken the term sheet or taken the discussions we've had about our business objectives and tried honestly to translate those into a contract 
or have they effectively tried to do as big a land grab as they can so that I have to negotiate back every single piece? Because if it is the latter, I know that I'm going to have to get more legal involvement. I know it's going to take longer. I know that it probably starts the relationship off on a poor footing. So I'm looking for honesty and I'm looking for the start of a relationship to last the multiple years it'll take us to get to market rather than one that's just about this particular part of the deal now and the objectives right in front of us. You, you can often see that in the IP terms or the warranty or, or other items in the royalties even or, or things that are put into the business relationship. I yeah. think maybe the other thing is the a recognition that because you're talking about a couple of years before you're making progress and you could well be working with somebody for a couple of years, a recognition that some parts of the contract have to be left a little more flexible so that you can allow for the evolution of your business relationship into the future. So I, I like somebody who understands medtech and understands that because it's a couple of years, you, you've, you build that in right from the beginning. That's a, a very unique answer. We've had a combination of answers about paperless or about clarity, but I think you've gone a step further by setting that actually contract is a relationship and if it's created with the vision of a relationship then that is what's impressive because ultimately it means that the the terms of the, the relationship will, will grow in, in the right way so that's um, a great answer if i could have one thing charles it would be that most of the time you don't take the contract out of the drawer right most of the time your business is usual it's actually only in the extreme situation that you usually need to refer back to the terms of the contract and say you know, hey we've had a disagreement or something's not working so i think if both parties start with the idea that actually we've got enough space for us to work it's only in the event that something goes wrong that we really need to fall back on many of the clauses in that contract you can usually see that mentality reflected in the terms that's a, a very good point and Something at Legislate we try to do is offer very standard plain English language and, and very neutral terms and in the middle so that it provides a solid foundation for a good relationship. But another thing that we're doing is we're extracting those restrictions and obligations from the contracts so that um, a small business or someone who isn't familiar with contracts can see what it is that they're responsible for and what would happen if something went wrong. Because like with everything, we tend to focus on the good and, and not the, the what ifs and the bads. And at least surfacing that from the start can also help people know what they should do or what they shouldn't be doing as part of a contract from day one, as opposed to um, being surprised uh, that they've breached a, a term of the agreement. Thank you very much, Rich, um, for being on the Legislate Show. Best of luck with Autoson. And I, I really hope that you, you progress for those trials and go to market as quickly as possible because um, many people need your solution. Absolutely. That's the plan, Charles. We're on it. Really good to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.